Don't we have an amazing worship band? Man. I think you should go and hug one of the worship team today and just tell them how awesome they are. Man, that was some good worship today. I could hear you guys singing out. And there's nothing like God's people joining together in unity and uh, singing about who Jesus is. I want to tell you real quick about something that we just had made. I talked about this uh, last week. We have some brand new invitation cards, okay? I know they're funny looking, but that's good because that makes people look at them, right? And it just says you're invited on the back, and simply on the back, it's got our tides, it's got our websites, Instagrams, all that kind of stuff. So these are in the lobby, and they're also in the Connection Cafe. So if you would grab some, and this is super easy, I did it this week a couple times. When you leave your tip, when you eat out, which I eat out at least once a day, if you, <laughs> if you eat out, you put a nice tip in it, and you leave a little invitation, and that's the easiest way to let people know about our church. The other thing I did at uh, the Jane Lou Festival the other day, uh, yesterday, I just kind of get next to the table, and I just like leave one right there. You know, Maybe you're that person where you're like scared to talk to people, but hey, you can just leave. Let's put these all over Clarksburg, Bridgeport, Nutter Fort, and remind people that Clarksburg Baptist Church is here, right smack in the middle of town, and we're not just here, we're ready to see God move because we've got great expectations about what God is going to do. And then if you are a person that's talkative like me, you can just say, hey, you're invited. We'd love to have you come out. All are welcome. So praise the Lord for that. We're excited about what God's going to do with those. In Bible college, someone told me that these are like little missionaries. You just leave them out there and you let them go out into the world and uh, you see what God does with it. Just that simple little invitation, God could spark somebody's heart and say, hey, I really do need to get back into church or maybe I need to find out more about who God is and, and, and why so many people are so excited about him and uh, you know, who this Jesus person is. So praise the Lord for that. Grab some on the way out. Or only grab as many as you're actually going to use, okay? Don't just put them in your glove compartment and forget about them, because that don't do anything there. Would you do that to a missionary? No. You want to put him in your glove compartment, so. Hey, there once was a man that was standing on the edge of a bridge, and he was thinking about jumping. And another man walked up, and he began to talk to him, and he was just trying to keep him distracted long enough so the authorities could get there and help out with the situation. So the man says to the jumper, hey, so uh, are you Hindu or are you or Christian? Are you Jewish? He's trying to keep him talking. The man says, I'm Christian. And he says, well, oh, that's awesome. What a small world. So he asked the jumper, well, are you Protestant or Catholic or Orthodox? And the jumper said, well, I'm, I'm Protestant. And he said, well, what denomination? Are you, are you Baptist or, or what? Yeah, I'm Baptist. Man, it's a small world. I can't believe all these things we have in common. I am too. And they said, well, are you, are you Southern Baptist or are you American Baptist? And the jumper said, I'm, I'm American Baptist. And he goes on. He's like, well, man, that's so crazy. Well, are you American Conservative Baptist or are you American Liberal Baptist? And the man says, I'm a, a American Conservative Baptist. Then he goes on and he said, well, are you American Conservative Baptist Great Lakes region or are you American Conservative Baptist Eastern region? And the man says, I'm American Conservative Baptist uh, Great Lakes region. 
We said, are you American Conservative Baptist Great Lake Region Council of 1878 or are you American Conservative Baptist Council of 1912? And the man said, 1912. And he pushed the jumper off the cliff and he said, die, heretic. (laughs) This morning we're going to be talking about unity. Unity. We just all sang in unison about who Jesus is. And I'll praise the name for the Lord our God. Last week, our first message in our series, Remember, we talked about how we must be, if we want to be a biblical church member, we must be a functioning church member. And then we talked about how we need to give abundantly without hesitation. We talked about how a biblical church member is going to be saved baptized, and then the natural order in the Bible is added to the church, serving somewhere. We even brought out a Mr. Potato Head, and we talked about how all the different pieces have all these different parts and how we must find our place. Andy this morning gave you some opportunities to find your place, and I encourage you to get that. See, a lot of times when we offer those opportunities to do something, who really normally takes them as the person that's doing five other things? But we need some people that aren't doing anything to get up and to help out and to do something. We talked about how Christ was our example, that he gave himself for the church. He loved uh, the church and he gave himself for it. But here's something that's revolutionary. This is really going to blow your mind, I feel. Did you know that it's God's desire that all born-again Christians, saved Christians, are supposed to get along? Did you know that? Did you know that God's desire is for us to get along? Now, we don't have to agree on everything. We don't even have to compromise. But we must get along. We see here in uh, John 13, 35, it says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Philippians 2, 2 goes on and says, Complete my joy. By being of the same mind, having the same love, and look at this, being in full accord and of one mind. I got a history lesson this last week about, how many of y'all remember a singing group around here called One Accord? Yeah, right? And then there was even the One Accord kids, which I won't point any of them out. They might be embarrassed right now. But Hey, back then, these were all people that were singing the same song right? They all had their place. They weren't all doing the exact same thing. They had the parts. They had tenor, bass, alto, soprano. And they were in one accord. The Bible here says that we ought to be in full accord and in one mind, all pushing in the same direction. 1 Peter 3, 8 says, finally, all of you have unity of mind. 1 Corinthians 1:10 says, I appeal to you, and this is an awesome verse, I appeal to you, brothers, By the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no division among you, but that you be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. And I could read 27 other more verses that say that we're supposed to be in unity, in one accord of one mind. See, God not only desires that Christians would get along, but he also commands that we be in unity. Because a house divided cannot stand. Now, have you ever heard a Christian gossip 
about another Christian. Yeah, you've heard it because it's come out of our own mouths, right? we're, We're guilty of that. We do that sometimes. But is that loving each other? Is that being in unity? See, when you became a Christian, God expects you to be a part of a church. And then he demands that once you become a part of that church, that you be a unifying presence in the church. Now, you may be thinking, well, aren't there times to fight? Aren't there times to stand up? Aren't there times to argue our beliefs? Aren't there Christians that we should separate with and not work together with and we should be against? Yes, there is one time that you're supposed to stand against and separate yourselves from other Christians. And that is when they are wrong on the doctrine of salvation. See, some churches teach that works It's how you get to heaven. If you're good enough, that God's going to have this cosmic scale. And if your good works outweigh your bad works, then he's going to let you in. But see, the Bible is very clear about that. It says that our righteousness is filthy rags. The best that we can do in and of ourselves is garbage. The only way that God can allow us into heaven is through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But in reality, that's an awesome thing, right? Hey, because I can't ever be good enough. And even if there was a chance that I could be good enough... I'd never know if I made it there or not. But instead of worrying about all that, all I need to do is put my full trust in Jesus Christ and his righteousness. That's an amazing thing. But there's churches that preach that works are how you get to heaven. As long as you walk enough old ladies across the street, and as long as you, uh, you know, give enough or do enough, then God can allow you into heaven. But that's not how it works. There's another variation of that. That's people say that baptism is essential, a part of salvation. But that's another way to uh, just say a work salvation. But see, we believe, based on the Bible, that salvation is by grace through faith alone. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says that. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourself, but it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. But even then, so we found this person we can finally fight with, right? We found this Christian that we can separate with. But even then, shouldn't we begin to look at these people as a mission field rather than a person to argue with? Isn't this a time when we can begin to try and show them the love of Jesus Christ? So here's the point. If you're saved... If you're redeemed, you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as the only means of salvation, then we have the most important thing in common, and that's Jesus Christ. Hey, we can share that. If you've got Jesus in your life and I've got Jesus in my life, then what do we have to fight about? So so should we jump up and down about the type of Christian music that we listen to, or should we jump up and down about what we wear to church? Absolutely not. Why? Because you can disagree and still love and be in one accord. The Bible calls that soul liberty. That means that you can have different opinions about things. Oh, and here's another thing that I thought was funny. I was thinking about this last night. Did you know that you can have an opinion and not tell anyone? It's pretty, in this day and age, that's not a common thing. Like we think, I've got an opinion, I've got to share it with everybody on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I've got to let them know what my opinion is. But see, the problem with that is when you became a Christian, you became an ambassador for Jesus Christ. So you better make sure that your opinions line up with Jesus if you're going to put it out there. 
And you're going to tell everybody about it. Hey, you can have an opinion without sharing it with everybody. <laughs> you could laugh. It's pretty funny, right? <laughs> See, too often in our churches we talk about and preach about things that are disunifying and distract from the main thing, the mission. We talked about that the first week, that make disciples. That's the gospel. And see, the more that we talk about unimportant things, the less we talk about the most important things. When was the last time you talked to somebody about Jesus? Oh, yeah, we'll share our views about politics, and we'll share our views about football and all that different kind of stuff. But, hey, the more that you talk about things that have no spiritual significance, the less you're talking about the most important thing. My father-in-law's been a pastor for about 30 years or so, and he once sat through a message, and the pastor was just going at it, preaching about how it's a sin to wear your hat backwards. Right? Hey, man, that's good. I saw that in there, too. I once heard of a, a pastor that preached a whole sermon about how it's a sin not to sing every verse of a hymn. If you're going to sing the first one, you've got to sing all 17 of them. And if you don't, bless God. We always blame God by saying bless God at the end. Bless God. Hey, all the while, while we're talking about these unimportant things, the world is out there searching for Jesus Christ. And we're distracted in here talking about all kinds of stuff that does not matter in eternity. If you're saved and in this room, then you and I have the most important thing in common, Jesus Christ. And if we have that in common, what else matters? What else matters? Well, how could there be division when we agree on who Jesus is? See, many times in the Bible, when you find God's people in one accord... And in one mind, right after it, you see a, a miraculous thing happen. It happened at Pentecost. They were all together and they were all, uh, they were all focused on the one thing. And 3,000, over 3,000 people got saved in one day. But what could happen around here if we all would be in one mind, in one accord? A.W. Tozer says this. Has it ever occurred to you? That 100 pianos, all tuned to the same fork, are automatically tuned to each other. They are of a one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each one of us must individually bow. <clears throat> so when 100 worshipers meet together, each one looking away to Christ, they are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes from God to strive for closer relationship. So how do we become in unity? Do we just look at the next person we try and emulate them? Absolutely not. What we do is we all look to Christ and we emulate him. And the more that we emulate him, the more that we're going to be closer together. The amazing thing about that, it not only works in the church, it works in your marriage too. Hey, the best way to work in your marriage is to work on your relationship with Jesus Christ. And the more that you work on your relationship, the less of you there's going to be. And the less of you that there is in your life, the better. At least that's how it works for me. That's what Tori tells me. <laughs> hey, the closer you get to Christ, the closer you're going to get to the people around you. Paul said this about the church in Ephesus 
in Ephesians 1.15. He says, I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love towards all the saints. I would love that. Wouldn't you love that about CBC? If people just began to talk about That's what they heard about when they heard about CBC. They heard about how well we love each other. Wouldn't that be amazing? And not just the four or eight people that we always talk to every Sunday. From top to bottom, the first time guests, that we just love people. Wouldn't that be an amazing thing? Paul goes on to say that that doesn't happen on accident, though. He tells them that they need to work diligently to keep that unity. In Ephesians 4, 3, he tells us to be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Another translation there says to be endeavor. We need to set out to keep unity. We need to set out to keep peace. We need to set out to mend relationships, to reconcile relationships, to bring people together and to be defined by our love. Every one of us, every biblical church member has the responsibility to promote unity and stifle discord. We should be a source of unity. We should never be a divisive force. Now here's the test. When people think about you, do they think of you as a person who promotes unity? Or do they think of you as someone that is divisive and opinionated and someone that always speaks their mind? I once had a pastor that told me, we need to be careful about giving people a piece of our mind. We won't have very much left. Are you a unity bringer? And this is especially true when it comes to our preferences and our opinions. We must always be willing to sacrifice things that are not found in God's word for the sake of the mission. We must be willing to put those things to the side and defer. So whether or not you think we should move a church service or paint a room or move out the pews completely, these things are not important enough for us to risk having discord among the brethren. Why? Because the mission is too important to fight over the color of the carpet. Again, in John 13, 35... It says, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. People are going to know you're saved by how well you love other Christians. Love should be the defining factor of our church. Now, gossip goes hand in hand with these things. Did you know the definition of gossip is idle talk? You know, when a car idles, it doesn't do anything, right? It doesn't move. It doesn't perform a function. It just... Some of us, our mouths are like that. They're not working. They're not promoting anything. They're not doing anything for anybody. They just run all day long. Sound like Charlie Brown's teacher, right? Gossip is idle talk. The Bible tells us uh, that when we... Don't have a uh, multiplicity of words. There is safety. What does that mean? The less you talk, the better off you are. Hey, and some of us need to be more intentional with the words that we say. If you're not part of the problem, if you're not part of the solution, then you have no right to talk about it. 
So are you a source of unity or are you a divisive force? Gossip in the Bible over and over is listed next to murder, blasphemy, fornication, and adultery. What does that mean? That means God takes this sin very seriously. See, we know in our friend circles that there always is one person that you don't talk about, right? You don't talk about my mama. You don't talk about my mom. You can talk about me. You can talk about anybody else. You don't talk about my mama. Yeah, I bet you want to say it now. Go ahead. You don't talk about my mama. Do it. Some, I think someone said your mama. <laughs> Who was that? You better watch out. Now, we all know that that's one person. That's great that you love your mom and you want to defend her. But see, I believe that God feels the very same way about us. Why? Because he redeemed us. He bought us. He paid the price. And I believe that when we stab each other in the back and we bring each other down, all the while God is up there saying, don't you talk about my children. They're mine. You don't have the right to tear them down. See, we like to tear people down to lift ourselves up. And the reason that we gossip about people is because we think we are better than them. But the Bible says that God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. A proud heart is a gossiping heart. See, the tongue is a dangerous thing. It can hurt people. And it is not worth sacrificing unity just to talk a little bit of trash. See, when we sacrifice unity, we jeopardize the mission of the church to reach the lost. And if you're not sure that it's gossip or not, don't say it. When in doubt, do without. Not even as a juicy prayer request. You know how that works, right? Hey, you need to pray for Miss So-and-so. Oh, what's going on? What's, ha what's happening? Well, you know she ran up her Target credit card bill and now her husband's leaving her. Oh, my goodness. Bless her heart. We just need to pray for We just need to pray for Hey, how about this? Instead of going around and asking 27 people to pray for how about you spend 10 minutes praying for it? Keep it to yourself. We do these things. If someone tries to share gossip, uh, gossip with you, gently rebuke them. You don't have to be harsh. Just kindly say, I'd rather not listen to gossip. And I hope that you don't spread that anywhere else. And say this, unity is too important for me to talk to you about this. 1 Peter 3.8, we started this before, we'll read the rest of it here. It says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil, reveling for reveling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life... How many of y'all desire to love your life and see good days? I'd love to see some good days. So what do I do? Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. You want to be a person that loves your life? Keep the peace. Keep your tongue and be a source of unity. In Matthew 5, 9, Jesus himself says, blessed are the peacemakers. We've lost that in our churches today. We've lost that people that will set out 
and look for a discord situation and jump into it and bring peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. See, the opposite of a peacemaker is someone who sows discord among the brethren. The Bible lists that as one of the six things that God hates. So you can either be a peacemaker or a discord maker. You can either be blessed and be a peacemaker, or you can have God hate the things that you're doing and be a discord maker. But see, if we're all in tune with Christ, we'll be in tune with each other. And don't always assume it's the other person that is off pitch with Jesus. How many of y'all are discord makers when you sing? You don't have to raise your hand. I need to talk to Andy about, too, about doing so well with the worship. I lost my voice singing earlier a little bit because he was just, oh, man, it was awesome. Don't do so, you know, don't, don't bring the spirit so much. That i got to save my voice. But, hey, some of us are discord makers when we sing, and they stand out, right? And I bet if I went around and asked some people around here who the discord makers are, people would know that, too. Hey, if that's us, we need to get that right. We need to settle that. Unity is too important for us to risk the mission, to make disciples. See, every church is made up of imperfect believers and imperfect pastors. All of us are hypocrites at one time or another, and we all make mistakes, and we all sin, and we must all forgive. We must see people through the light of the gospel. And I remember that I must remember that Jesus Christ loved and forgave all of you, so I have no right to not love and forgive you as well. None of us could ever offend each other as much as we've offended Christ, and he still forgave us. We've got to be uni bringers. See, Christians are like snowflakes alone. They're harmless, but when we come together, we can stop traffic. And if we would come together as a church, there would be nothing that God could not do through us. We've got to put our opinions, our preferences on the side and focus on the things that are found right here in God's word. If it's in here, I'm going to fight for it. If it's not, I'm going to leave it to the side. This is what's important. My opinions, my thoughts, everything else is not worth causing discord over. A biblical church member fulfills a function. They give abundantly without hesitation. A biblical church member is a source of unity. So let's strive to be unifying church members, a re-member. we got to go back all the way 2,000 years to a first century church member. Maybe God spoke to your heart today about where you fit into this church, about what way you're supposed to serve Christ through the church. Or maybe this is you, and it'd be, you'd have to be a really brave person to admit this to yourself, that you have not been a source of unity. Maybe you've been talking about leadership, deacons, council members, life group leaders, a previous pastor... Maybe you've been gossiping about other church members. Maybe you've been divisive and not unifying. We've got to get that right. We cannot move forward unless we're together in one accord. If we want God to bless us, we must be 
in unity. Let's stand to our feet and bow our heads. The worship team's going to come, and they're going to play softly. Maybe you're here this morning, and you've got a, a, a loved one that's sick. Maybe you've got somebody that's not saved, and they don't know Jesus Christ. As they play, we're going to bow our heads and close our eyes. I want you to do that right now. And ask God, have I been a unifying church member? God, do I care more about my opinions or do I care more about the mission? Do I care more about my preferences or do I care more that there are people in Clarksburg, West Virginia that are dying and going to hell without maybe ever knowing who Jesus is? Once again, the altar's open. God spoke to your heart about anything this morning. This is your chance to act. Preaching without action is nothing. If it doesn't change us, it's not worth anything. today, you're not sure that you even are a Christian. You're not sure that if you died today, that heaven will be your home. The Bible says that you're no different than the rest of us. You're a sinner. The Bible says, for all have sinned, come short of the glory of God. We've all lied, cheated, stolen, thought wicked thoughts, said wicked things. And because of that, the Bible says, the wages of our sin is death. What we earn and what we deserve for our sin is death in a place called hell. But our God loved us so much and he always had a plan. And he fulfilled that plan. Romans 5.8 tells us about that. It says that God commended, he gave his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, even though we had failed him, even though we didn't deserve it, even though we had messed up over and over and over again, Christ died for us. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you can't go back to a time and a place where you cried out to God and said, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't work my way to heaven. God, I put my faith and trust in your son, Jesus Christ. And what he did on the cross is the only means of salvation. God, forgive me and save me. If you've never done that, I invite you to do that right now. There's no other decision that is more important than that. See, the amazing thing about it is not only about 
where you go when you die. It's how you live right now. There's nothing more amazing than having a relationship with the person that made you and that knows you more than anyone else does. And he still forgives you and he still loves you. They're going to sing. And as they sing, the altar is still open. God, maybe it spoke to your heart that you need to go right now. And you need to find someone and apologize to them. Oh yeah, I know that'd be scary. I know that'd be kind of weird. But nothing is more important than the mission. My pride is not more important. My opinion is not more important than loving the people that are in this room. As they sing, you do what God wants you to do.